it is a blessing to be a part of this body and to, to feel the Lord's love from the Lord but also through you as well. And I counted a privilege this morning to be able to, to share this last Sunday of the old year before going in to the new. And uh, I just want to give a, you know what they say on the radio, a shout out to God for bringing us faithfully watching over us to the end of another year and the beginning of a new chapter of grace of knowing him and going forward with him and in him. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And so this, uh, this morning, I wrestled a little well, there's no, well, if you wrestle with God, you know who wins that match. <clears throat> but this, today's message, I've entitled, Do You Hear What I Hear? And this message today consists of two components. And so... The two components are found in John chapter 15, verses 15 and 16. And this is what it says there. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. I just want to pause there for a minute. I, I just want us to think about those words. I no longer call you servants, but friends. For the servant doesn't know what the master is up to. And Sunday after Sunday, we gather together. And yes, I'm up here. But the Lord, in His Spirit, by His Spirit, comes to each one of us right where we are, sits down next to us and he knows exactly what each one of us needs what each one of us needs to hear where we're at in our relationship with him and it's not that when we get together on a Sunday morning oh this sounds like a good word for today and kind of like a shotgun oh this here's another good word for another day when we get together with him it's like being on a pair of railroad tracks you know what? The railroad tracks, there's one direction when you're going. You're going down the tracks. There's a goal. There's a purpose. 
And for him, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to want to get together with us That's a divine pause, by the way. We can get used to that and f- lose the wonder of that. And so, the first component is that he wants to clue us in on what he's up to. And so, as I thought about that, I thought there were different things in each of the preceding messages that God was highlighting to me. And the, the, the I'll just say the dilemma for lack of a better wording, I thought, you know what, I don't want to go back. If I replay every message, there wouldn't be enough time and it wouldn't go forward into what where the Lord wants to take us. But needless to say, what he wanted to do is he wanted to connect some dots so that just like the railroad tracks, God, God knows where he wants to take us, take us to. He knows the destination he has in mind. And so in this last year where we spent quite a bit of time on the attributes of God And just let me say, looking at the attributes, the moment you think you come up with a list and you've got God in a box and that he is all just X, Y, and Z, he's going to kick out the box and he's going to say, guess what, guys? Here I am. What are you going to do with that? But I think that is the beautiful thing about God because he is God and we are not. And to enjoy the wonder of him. And to enjoy the wonder of his presence. And to have an expectation about when we get together on Sunday with him. What is he going to do? And what is my response going to be? And to nurture that response. Because of what he is doing. And the second component then... I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the second component then, in terms of what he said in these words, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. It's not that, okay, you're the last one on the team and there's nobody left and I got to pick you. Come over here. You know, have you ever been like playing kickball or anything and everybody picks the strongest and the biggest and the the most powerful and then you're kind of like the, the leftovers? No, that's not it at all. You're on his team because he died for you to make you a part of his team. And he does it with great joy. And what we see, that you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. He made that possible by the cross. This is possible. And what he's doing was By the cross. He purposely did it. Because of the love that he had for you that would not and will not ever be quenched. 
And that is not an endurance match. When he said, I chose you, yeah, I chose you. I don't second guess. I don't have buyer's remorse. No. The God who's able to save is the God who leaps over you in joy and says, I am mighty to save. So that when he says, you should go and bear fruit and that fruit should remain. And I want to tell you that going into this new year, why is that important? Okay? And if you ever see the snow globe, now, you know the thing where you got the, like the Christmas scene and the enclosed globe with water? You got the snowflakes. You shake it up and the, everything is up there in the air. I think sometimes like that, when God gives us a word personally or corporately or a guest speaker comes, we, we get excited for a while. And in the passing of time, if you're honest, just like that snow globe, those snowflakes settle. And where do you find yourself in a month's time? Three months? Six months? I'm not, I'm not saying that to be a heavy. I'm saying that for this reason. That when God says, I chose you and appointed you, He is the one who was able and wants to sustain that expectancy and he is the one who wants us to embrace that expectancy in the same way that he wants to give it to where Mary remember when the angel visited Mary and, and, the, and Mary uh, excuse me the angel shared with Mary what was going to happen and what was her response may it be may it be according to whose word the Lord's word that's right. That's right. And I like Brother Caleb. Yes, I like the one that, one that is here, part of our body, but I like the Brother Caleb in the Bible too. And what I like is that when he said, in Judges, he, he said, I'm 85. Now I want to picture, I'm 62. But I'm thinking, here he's 85, okay? And he said, my strength is now as it was then. My fight, my vigor, my chutzpah is now as it was then. And that same response that Caleb gives is the same God who was able to do that in your heart so that you can make that same response to what he's called you to be in him. When I'm 85, I want to be charging down. The, yes, I do. I want to be charging. I want to have that same fight. I want to have that same aggressiveness. I want to have that same expectancy. And I'm not just talking about us as adults. I'm talking about everyone in this room. I'm talking about everyone in the sound of my voice. God is no respecter of persons when it comes to expectation in your life. It's not... Like you're at six flags and you have to get up to a certain height before you get expectation. No! You look at who God used in the Bible. He even used a donkey. If there's, 
I say if there's hope for a donkey, there's hope for me. But, did I say that? I guess I did. But it's the idea that going into this year, going into his, I am who you say I am. That's the bigger part of this message. And I'm trying with all my heart not to get ahead of myself here, but that's the part where he wants to take us to. But if I had to go back, which I'm going to touch on briefly here because I don't want to, I don't say this disrespectfully, to bog down on the first part in all these sermons. But the second part is just as important as the first. And so if I had to choose a ground zero, I would go back to the message that Tom talked about. Consider yourself dead to sin. We have an adversary who does not want to see us come into our destiny in Christ. He will steal. He will kill. He will destroy. He will accuse. Make no mistake. He will try to exploit. So, I, in that message that Tom talked on considering yourself dead to sin, he talked about the checkbook. Now, I can say, I've got a million dollars. I'm going to write you a check. <coughs> or if I go and write that check for a million dollars and I give it to you, I am going to be the one that's going to suffer for it and I'm going to deceive myself. I'm not going to be living in a world of reality. It doesn't end well. If you write a bad check, just see what happens. And you know what I'm talking about there. Now, what Tom talked about was Christ's bank account. And he talked about it's not supposition. It's, it's not speculation. It's not opinion. It's fact. We who were bankrupt... Our past due notices, as he put it. His account, when we come to him, he takes our account. We get his account. So that fact then, in him, not me, in Christ, when I write his check for a million dollars, so to speak, I'll just say an exceeding great and precious promise, he will make good on it. All his promises are what? Yes and amen in Christ. No asterisk behind him. No loophole. No expiration date. So going, so going forward from there, When Tom talked about that, and he read from Romans chapter 5, it talks, he uses the word abundance of grace or abounding grace. Several, I want to say four times. And I think sometimes, when I looked at that word, and I look at my life, I am 
so grateful for that eternal truth of grace. That word abounding means to exceed a specified measure. To overflow. There's no boundary on the overflow. It's not like it's not like I got a bowl of ice cream and I got to put sideboards on it. It's like no, no matter how big a bowl I do, it's going to overflow. That's the abundance of grace. And so going forward, when, if, and when, and I will, sin. And the enemy tries to get me in the place and put us and accuse me or stand over me or be the, the accuser. It says at the end of Romans chapter 5 where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. So going, so going on from that point then, I can go forward and I don't have to I don't have to go back. I can go forward. I can maintain. I can increase my expect expectation in terms of I am who he says I am in Christ. That that grace is greater than the sin is able to break the power of that sin. I so love Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the final word. He is the final word. The second verse. For the law. That sounds so final. Law. Like. And it talked about in Romans 5 again. Death reigning in and through sin. And make no mistake, reigning like a king. You're under my fist, brother. You're under that sin. There's no way out. Oh, yeah? But that's what it means when it says sin, death reigned through sin. But where that's sin abounded. So in Romans 8, 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life Oh, I like that. In Christ Jesus has set me free. I want you to just yell out, I am free. I am free. In Christ. I am what I am. By the grace of God. I am who you say I am. Now, this is going to sound trite, but didn't that feel good in your spirit to say that? It should. In Ephesians, it says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. That's the power of His words. I like that. So to finish that verse, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. There's a new marshal in town. 
He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who took away the keys of death from Satan. And him doing what we couldn't do in our flesh. And making a way where there was no way. So that he could say the things that he shared with his disciples here in John 15 verses 15 and 16. So, after, after Tom's message, and I'm going to run through these because I, um, Warren spoke on taking your place. Taking your place in the body of Christ. And just touching on that is there is a place for you. We're not just John Q. Public. You have an identity. You are a somebody. You're not just a name and a number or a cog on a wheel. And what struck me in what he had shared was that for what God has done, the church should be walking on water and we're walking on the bottom of the uh, bottom of the lake. Now, I don't know about you, but when, again, going through that message, that, that really caught my ear. And it made me ask questions of myself. And am I satisfied with where I am? Is there more? It made me think of a message Stephen did a long time ago. I'm just throwing this in here. But he talked about, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And in that message, he talked about, the, who, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. I just don't want a little piece of bread. If I remember correctly, he talked about, I want the whole loaf. I like that appetite. That's the spiritual appetite he wants us to have for what he's called us to be in him. And then, going on from there, um, Steve Miller, oh, excuse me, Stephen, let love be your goal. Let it be your highest goal. And he looked at 1 Corinthians 13, and you know what? If, if we don't have love in all of this, and what I'm saying, if there is not love, forget it. We shoot ourselves out of the saddle, in the foot, before we're even started. In 1 Corinthians 13, he said, if you've got faith to move mountains, if I gave away all this, if I could understand all mysteries, I'll just think about each one of those things. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. And what I so appreciate about this body is that there is love. And I would say I'd rather be in a body where there's love and we don't have it all together. But we know who does. And that we can welcome him to take us forward because of the love wherewith he loved us. We are able to love one another. But it's the idea of love being your goal. That aim if you will. All of it done in love. What he does for us in love. He's speaking to his disciples. <clears throat> and then Steve Miller talking about by grace growing into maturity. And 
one of the things that he, he uh, shared in his sermon there was Christian author John R. W. Stott, who spent much time traveling, has been quoted as saying, the greatest need of the church around the world is maturity. He said, we are 16 million miles wide and about a sixteenth of an inch thick. There were a lot of good things in that message that, that Steve shared on there. And in the end, his concluding remark in, uh, he shared here by Cloud and Townsend say that the ingredients that God has provided that produce growth in children are grace, truth, and time. We as children have his grace at work teaching, motivating, and empowering us to walk uprightly. His word leads us in truth, which keeps us on right paths, and his spirit is walking with us daily. It's a process. As we go through our lives, using our experiences to help us grow to maturity as beloved daughters and sons formed in the likeness of Jesus. And then I shared on, the, on remembering and remembering and equating it with trust and some trusting in chariots and some in horses. And look at the outcome of those who trusted in chariots and look at the outcome of those who trust God. And then Wayne, on perspective, looking back, taking that and then going forward with expectation and that our past experiences affect us more than we think. They do. And that caught my, that caught my ear. And he finished up by talking about being rooted Grounded, oh, I love those words, established in the love of God that we may be able to comprehend. And just think about that for a moment. With our finite minds, we can't. And he says, this is what he wants to do. Being rooted and grounded in love from Ephesians chapter 3, we may be able to comprehend all the fullness of God. How does that happen? That's not my problem, it's his. But that's a wonderful problem to have. But being rooted and grounded in love. Because in the next chapter, he'll talk about the body of Christ. And being rooted and grounded in love, he says that you no more be tossed to and fro. So having gotten to, to that point then of just briefly touching on those messages and just even I would encourage you, you know we've got a wonderful resource now the internet you can go back and look at these messages I just gave you just a a minuscule piece very very minuscule of each one but I want to encourage you there is so much more in each one of those messages for our good for our well-being that is very much worth taking in and, and meditating on and saying, oh God, highlight from here what else you want me to grab a hold of.
Which brings, which brings us to the second point, I am who you say I am. And I already touched about on the uh, expectation part. But there's another part that, that I want to bring up, and that is this. You know, the strength of a dam is not based on what you see on the surface that's holding back the water, right? If, if the only thing holding back that water is what you see above ground, that's not a very good dam. It's what you can't see that's below. And so when Christ says, I am who you say, I am who he says I am, It's the work in the heart. And his words, his words are like no other words. Yes, I know that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we do have to watch our words. But his words are able to cleanse. John 15, at the opening, uh, in the opening verses there, he spoke to his disciples, now you are clean through the word that I have spoken to you. Psalm 119. You know, for those who have, and myself, if you ever get discouraged because of a besetting sin, they say, what's the use? Have I got a promise for you? Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? Do you feel like a leopard? You can't change your spots? If we're honest? Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. His word has the power to cleanse. His word has the power to transform. His word. Remember the centurion? Lord, you don't need to come to my house. Just say the word. His word has the power to heal. I am making the case that it's just not something nice to put on a magnet on a refrigerator door. His words His words in John 6. Now I believe it's verse 66. He says, His words are spirit and they are life. I just want you to think about that for a minute. That when he said, let there be, was there a, like we get the mail service, was there, was there overnight shipment? Was there two-day two express? Was there standard shipping? No. When he said, let there be, it was. So the case is that when he says what he says, it is final. It is not up for debate. And for good measure, when he triumphed over the enemy at the cross, the cross was the final word.
His words are like no other. So finishing up Psalm 119, those, verse 10 says, With my whole heart I have sought thee. Let me not wander from your commandments. That's our response. That's our response to his words. And then verse 11, Thy word have I treasured up in my heart, his words, that I might not miss the mark. That's the word for sin. Miss the mark. There is great joy when we are on target in our relationship with the Lord and what He's called us to be in Him, who we are in Him. So, as I was thinking about then what we did with the first part, when we go into the, the next phase, if you will, the next step in this journey of looking at who we are in Christ, we will give the same due diligence under the Lord's leading to what He wants to say to speak to who we are in Him. And that I am who you say I am. And there were, I can tell you, there were, I want to say five that the Lord highlighted to me. But there are more than that. And I'm not going to put him in a box or us in a box and say it's just these. Because the moment, again like I said before, the moment to do, he'll say what about this. That's okay. So, the first one that he highlighted to me is that we are, we are the body of Christ. That's, that's not just a nice platitude. What got me going, I say what got me going, there have been different people that I've heard who went online that, I went online, I got a license. I can, I can marry people. And I thought to myself, how cheap Now, with no disrespect intended, but it's the idea that we are the body of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it's the idea of Him calling you that and making you that and setting you in place to be that. Do you understand? He takes great delight in setting you in place. And so what he does in setting you in place, he empowers you to be able to do what that part is to be able to do so that you are able to supply other parts of the body and other parts are able to supply you and it's all done in love. But the, I, the wonder of being the body of Christ. Set in place by him not going on the internet and say, okay, I'm the body of Christ. Really? Where's the power in that? Where's the truth in that? Where's the anointing in that? That's not how it works. But people in this day and age, they look for shortcuts. In the kingdom of God, there are no shortcuts. 
He is. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And all three of those components work together. And so in, when he says, I am who you... I don't know why I have trouble with that. I am who you say I am. Acts 17, 28. In Him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. We have our identity in Him. He makes you who you are. The second, the second one. And, and this had to do with David going up against Goliath. And up until that point, we, we read a little bit, we know a little bit about David, that he's out there tending sheep and then he gets called to fulfill a father's errand and take some bread to his brothers and see how things are going on the front. But these are men of valor that are out there. These are not just newbies. These are people who know how to fight. They go up there, they're all shaking in their boots. And his brothers turn on him. And David doesn't back down and run away home. But David, in his re- in being there, he makes this response. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Now that just, that just didn't happen right then and there. He had that. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. But I submit to you, in the tending of that sheep, he had an understanding of what God, in God's covenant relationship with him, that he could say on the basis of that covenant, who is this guy that he should defy the armies, that's us, that's me, that's you, the armies of the living God. So on each one of these, these are future messages. I'm not, you could take each one of these. But that brings, but it's the idea that we see that, hey, I am who you say I am, and we see then that he it just wasn't words. He backed it up with his actions. It's not like, oh, let me think about that for a minute. What did I get myself into? No. He was, Saul had to restrain him. He said, here, well, if you're going to go out there, take this armor. No. And what did Saul do? Did Saul say, never mind, I'll go out there? No. You could see David's heart bursting forth because he was who God said he was. And that, there's that element of ag- aggressiveness, if you will. And when God says, this is who you are, seize it. Make it your own. Make it personal. Live it out. I'm going to digress here for just one minute. Because I know how much Tom loves country music. <clears throat> so, when I learn a new country song and, I, and I've seen people when, they, when they're learning a new country song and they've got the platform up there where they're going to sing in front of other people they're kind of like up there like this and the microphone's here like this 
And they're looking down here like this. What, what they don't see when I, I practice, I speak the song to myself. I think about the words. I make it, I say I make it personal, but I give expression to it. And like Dan, well, when I sing, I don't stand still in one place when I sing. I give it expression. But in that same vein, okay, I'm going back. In that same vein, though, that when Christ says, this is who you are, make it personal. Embrace it. He says in Proverbs 4, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Part of those commandments is say, okay, God, I'm going to act on what you said. I am in you. And watch it play out. That's another way of saying abiding in the vine, if you will. That's a part of it. So, and Steve taught on this just this last week about the bride of Christ. And what does the bride do? The bride, the bride is keeping herself for the one. We keep ourselves for the one. And, and just let me say this. There was a picture not too long ago where there was a, a bride who had army boots on. And why, why I'm saying this is that there is one who doesn't want to see us as who wants to splatter on that white dress, those robes of righteousness that we wear. A while back, Nick had talked about a study done by George Barna where he said in the workplace, this is what I want to say, he said in the workplace, and it was a big percentage, he said you cannot tell the Christian from the non-Christian in the workplace. Where I go to work, it's dark. I don't have to go very far and somebody will do like that, splash mud on me. What am I going to do? What am I prepared to do? I keep myself for the one. My aim is for the one. My aim is to please the one. My aim is to love the one with all my heart, soul, and mind. And that it's evident to those around me. Because whether I want to admit it or not, they're watching me. And they will let me know that they're watching me. And so whatever it takes for me to not get splashed, I purpose to keep and be intentional to keep my robes clean. And they, they come up to me, they use language, they say, oh, I'm sorry, pardon my French, you know, they, they go and stumble all over themselves. But I tell you that God, because of that, seeing the difference there are other people who have approached me and said will you pray for me I have a Jehovah's Witness that I could never get close to couldn't even think about getting close to but when I said can I pray with you boom the door opened wide would you when I needed help 
with a project. You never turned me away. You never put me down. You never criticized me. You helped me in my struggle with the problem I had at work. Just one more. I'm going to cut this short. The servant of the Lord. Just one example from scripture here. Paul in Romans chapter 1. Paul, we know he's an apostle. He opens Romans chapter 1 by saying, I'm a servant. Why do I say that? Not referencing back to John 15 that the servant has no clue. Paul knew. But it's the idea that his objective was to serve. And after the serving, he says, Paul, a servant and an apostle. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this, that when the servant's job, his aim is to wait on the master, hand and foot. His aim is to make his master look good. His aim is to whatever the master says, that's it. I found the greatest joy, if you will, in years past here when I had the opportunity to be a line judge for Kathy Chopla. I never would have thought in my dreams, you're going to be a line judge, you're going to, you're going to be, go with the girls volleyball team down to Joplin, you're going to go to Hillsboro and the numerous things. And I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm just, there's going to be a one-time thing, a two-time thing. I have to tell you, God really did something in my heart as far as being a servant. My objective was to free her up to be able to do some of the greater priorities she had to do with the team. And the joy that I experienced in my heart and being singularly focused on that task blessed me, blessed the girls, and the relationships that grew out of that. And so in being a servant, being faithful at a task at hand, it says in Luke, if you're faithful in the little things, he will make you faithful over much. God knows how to reward. God knows how to promote. On any given day, this is who we are in the everyday. So just, just one more that I want to mention by name, but I don't want to go into, is that he has made us kings and priests. He wants us to reign. He wants us to reign. And I want to close with this, and that is this, our response our response. Surrender. Surrender. Don't hold back. Surrender. Be quick to repent. You know what made part of what was the thing I liked about David? David knew how to repent. Look at, look at Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Keep short accounts. Don't let sin reign. Our response, grace 
treasuring up God's word in your heart. In my quiver, I have go-to arrows. You should have arrows just like Legolas from Lord of the Rings. It never amazed me. That guy never ran out of arrows. But the point being that in your heart, that word which is living and active Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says this man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God that's what he says so when he says you are what I say you are just think about that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that same word was the, what the Lord himself used when Satan came up against him. He, he said, it is written. And I don't know of anybody that would get great pleasure out of running up against the sword of the Spirit. I know I wouldn't. But that word was able to push the enemy and prevail against the enemy. Push him back. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. That you chose us. That you appointed us. to bear fruit, fruit that will remain, that you've given us a purpose, that you've given us an identity in you, that you've given us a place in you, that you empower us, that you give us great grace to walk, to reign, to live, to have our being. Lord, increase our expectation as we go into this new year. That we are who you say we are. And Lord, I know there's far more that I didn't touch on. But Lord, we give you our hearts right now. And we ask you with what I said and in the words coming down the pike. Plant your words. Those words which will not return void but will accomplish what you purpose them to do. Bring forth a bountiful crop in each one of our hearts to your glory may in all that we do then may we walk pleasing unto you being fruitful unto every good work strengthened with all might by your glorious power in Jesus name I ask this for myself and for my brothers and sisters Amen <laughs>